all of you to our online gathering here at Big Valley Grace. I'm glad you're with us. We know we have people that literally watch, uh, not, not just in Modesto, where the church is, but all over the state, the nation, and in some cases, literally all over the world. And I'm glad that you are here. One of the things that I love about this particular weekend, actually a couple things. Number one, uh, we just finished Thanksgiving. And as I told you last weekend, it's my favorite holiday. I love Thanksgiving, and man, my whole family was around, and uh, all my kids, and, and their spouses, and fiancés, grandkids, some other friends, and man, my wife made this incredible turkey. I told her I think it was the best one she, she ever made, and the food was, was really great. I barely fit into my pants, but I hope you had uh, just a, a marvelous time, too. And I realize during this COVID season, everybody's having to do things that are a little bit different. But, but one of the things that, you know, Thursday, Thanksgiving, kind of sets into motion is uh, this weekend. And in the rhythm of our life here, and the tradition of the life here at Big Valley Grace, we now move into what we consider kind of our, our Christmas season. And we have a new series that's beginning today called Joy in the Faith. And as Pastor Brandon said earlier, our stage is just all decorated up. I don't know whether you can see it or not, but I can tell you it's just really gorgeous. And it, it really is a visual to, uh, to a new season that we're beginning to celebrate here, the Advent season. And I believe um, this is going to be a great six-week series. Okay, so it's six weeks long. We've called it Joy in the Faith. It's our Christmas series. And uh, I know that you're gonna hear from the Lord. I, I, I just know it. And if you would commit to be here every weekend, and if you would commit to go through the reading every day, okay? If you commit to, to be here, okay, whether it's online, in your home, your apartment, and you know, wherever it is you're at, or you're actually inside this brick and mortar building, you make that commitment every week to listen to the message, and you commit to do the daily reading. I'm telling you, I guarantee your life will be different. I guarantee it. I guarantee it, you'll experience greater joy in the faith, greater joy in, in your faith. So let me, let me just challenge you, okay? Every week, you're tuning in or you're down here at the building. Every single week and every single day, you're, you're doing the reading. And let's just watch how the Lord works in your life and in our life as a, as a church. Now, before I read our text um, in Philippians chapter 1, uh, 11 through 27, I want you to imagine, if you can, that you lived back in biblical days, Okay? I want you to imagine being a believer living in the city of Philippi, all right? Can you do that? Imagine in that? Um, people back then were no different than, than you, no different than, than me. They struggled to make a living. They struggled, struggled to find jobs. Some lost their jobs, and many of you have experienced that. They struggled to raise their, their children you know, when kids are born, you know, an owner's manual doesn't pop out with it, does it? You just kind of have to do it. 
Well, they struggled to raise their kids, just like we do. They struggled with health issues, just like we do. They struggled with being single. I'm sure there were lots of people back in biblical days who lived in Philippi who were single. They wanted to be married, and for whatever reason, I don't know, they just couldn't find a mate. They were people that struggled in their marriages. They were people that struggled in relationships. They were people who struggled in their faith, just like, just like we do. So I want you to imagine you're living back a couple thousand years ago in the city of Philippi. And one day you go to church, and it was probably in homes, okay? But you go to church, and all of a sudden, you know, the, the pastor stands up and says, hey, today's gonna be a really special day in church. I received a letter from Paul. It actually got here and I opened it up and man, I read it last night and wow, and I've got it here. And because you're in church today, I'd like to read it to all of you. Man, would that have been a, a really cool moment? Man, you actually have a letter that was written by Paul and now you're in church and you're gonna read it. Kind of like what we're gonna do right now, isn't it? Those people were no different than you. They were no different than me. They had a lot of ups and a lot of downs. They struggled with lots of things. And one day they heard from Paul, and that's what we're all gonna do right now. So I want you to take your Bibles, all right? You're in Philippians chapter one, and I want you to look at verse 12, okay? I'm gonna make some comments as we go through this, but I want you to look. We're gonna start at verse 12, all right? So verse 12 says, and I want you to know, my dear brothers and sisters, that everything that has happened to me here has helped to spread the good news. In a moment here, we're gonna learn he's in prison. He's actually in a prison uh, in Rome. And, um, you know, if you were to take a prison during biblical days, like a prison in Rome where Paul is when he writes this, and you were to go, I don't know, to San Quentin or something, and you were to go to one of those jail cells, today's jail cells would be like uh, a Ritz-Carlton. Paul is in a really, really crummy, crummy place, this prison in Rome. And he's in this prison in Rome simply because he's a follower of Jesus simply because he was out telling people about Jesus. That's it. That's the only reason why he's in prison. And he says, I want you to know that everything that has happened to me here has helped to spread the good news for everyone here, we got the next slide, including the whole palace guard knows that I am in chain, chains because of Christ. Cha uh, Paul is actually chained to a guard, they, they, they actually put like handcuff on him and a handcuff on a, you know, a guard and there's a chain between them. So he's always chained to a guard. And because of my imprisonment, most of the believers here have gained confidence and boldly speak God's message without fear. 
It's true that some of these people that preach are preaching out of jealousy and rivalry, but, but others preach about Christ with, with pure motives. They preach because they love me, for they know I have been appointed to defend the good news. Those others do not have pure motives as they preach about Christ. They preach with selfish ambition, not sincerely intending to make my chains more painful to me. And I'll stop right there for just a moment. With modern technology, you can turn on your TV at any given moment. In fact, last night, I was laying in bed and I was kind of going through some stations and, and um, I found a bunch of religious stations and there were people who were preaching Christ and they were preaching from a pure motive. They were preaching simply because they wanted people to know about Jesus. But there were others who preached from a whole different motive. You you could tell there was a selfish ambition about it. There was no sincerity in what what they were preaching. Paul says, but that doesn't matter. It doesn't matter whether these people aren't preaching for the right motives. Whatever their motives are, false or genuine, the message about Christ is being preached either way. Wow. So I rejoice, and I will continue to rejoice, for I know that as you pray for me, and the Spirit of Jesus Christ helps me, and I'm going to stop right there. I wish I had more time to unpack that. Joel and I this week, um, actually the last couple of weeks have been meeting and uh, just talking about this passage, and we're looking at all the different passages And one of the things that has struck both of us was Paul understood that he had the Holy Spirit living within him. That was his power source, but he also understood how important prayer was. He says, it's not just the Holy Spirit in me, but it's also the fact that people were praying for him. I wonder, how how many people do you have praying for you? How many people strategically were praying for you this past week? I mean, strategically, you, you know, you ask them to pray. You, you are contacting them on a regular basis with specific things that they could pray about in your life, if you're married, your, 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 your marriage or your family or whatever it might be. You got anybody? I think you should. For I know that as you pray for me and the spirit of Jesus Christ helps me, this will lead to my deliverance. For I fully expect and hope that I will never be ashamed, but that I will continue to be bold for Christ as I have been in the past. And I trust that my life will bring honor to Christ whether I live or die. For to me, Paul says, living means living for Christ and dying is even better. But if I live, I can do more fruitful work for Christ. So I really don't know which is better. I'm torn between the two desires. I long to go and be with Christ, which would be far better for me. But for your sake, it is better that I continue to live. Knowing this, I am convinced that I will remain alive so I can continue to help all of you grow 
and experience the joy of your faith, the joy of your faith. It's Joel and I's heart that you would experience the joy of your faith, even to a greater level over these next six weeks as we go through this series. And whenever I come to you again, you will have even more reason to take pride in Christ Jesus because of what he is doing through me. Above all, you must live as citizens of heaven, conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ. Then, whether I come and see you again or only hear about you, I will know that you are standing together with one spirit and with one purpose, fighting together for the faith, which is the good news. Do not be intimidated in any way by your enemies. This will be a sign to them that they are going to be destroyed, but that you are going to be saved, even by God himself, for you have been given not only the privilege of trusting in Christ, but also the privilege of suffering for him. We are in this struggle together. You have seen my struggle in the past, and you know that I am still in the midst of it. <clears throat> in the midst of it. <clears throat> so, here's what I want to do. I just want to um, just take a, <clears throat> a few minutes, and I want to give you three things to ponder, okay? Just three. They're actual choices that Paul made. And I guarantee you that if you would make the same choices that Paul made, <clears throat> guarantee it, you're gonna experience great joy in your faith, okay? These were three choices that Paul made, okay? I wish I could, you know, plumb the depths of these passages, but I'm gonna look at three things three things that I think are really gonna make a, a difference in your life and they'll be super easy to understand. And here's choice number one. Okay, choice number one. Paul made the choice, and it is a choice, to look beyond his crummy circumstances to see what God was doing in the midst of them. He made a choice, Paul made a choice to look beyond all the crummy things that were going on in his life so that he might see what God was doing in the midst of them. I want you to look at verse 13 again. Look at verse 13. He says, for everyone here, remember he's, he's in prison. He's literally shackled to a guard 24 hours a day, basically. For everyone here, including the whole palace guard, he'd been there so long, you know, they, 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 they'd take the chain off of one guard and put him on, put him on another guard. He was, he was being passed around to all the guards. Everyone here, including the whole palace guard, knows that I am in chains because of Christ. In other words, Paul was telling these guards why he was in prison. He's telling them what was happening in his life. And because of my imprisonment, most of the believers here have gained confidence and boldly speak God's message without fear. And I just want you to know, I just think that's just really really beautiful, 
This is why this man had such a great impact on the world. You see, Paul had a choice to make. He could tell these people in the church about all the crummy things that were going on in his life. Woe is me, you know. I'm just out there serving the Lord, and look what happens. I end up in prison, and not just prison, but they actually got me chained up to some guard. They're so afraid of me. Instead of, you know, going out and preaching the gospel, instead of, you know, going and preaching in the Roman Colosseum and, you know, watching hundreds and thousands of people come to faith in Christ, you know, here I am in this stinky prison with these stinky clothes, eating this crummy food attached to this crummy guard. He could have done that. Or he could tell them about how the Lord was working in the midst of all the crummy things. He had a choice to make. What was he gonna talk about? And we see here that Paul made the choice to keep his eyes on God. He made the choice to keep his eyes on God and what God was doing in the midst of all the chaos in his life, which was why he was such a special man. And it's why he had such great joy in the faith and you will begin to experience great joy in the faith. Listen to me, beloved, if you make the same choice. At our um, Thanksgiving dinner on Thursday, man, my wife had decorated this table up and it, it was just really something else. It was really beautiful. And uh, there came a moment when all the food was kind of set out and everybody got around the table and the table was packed. Okay, I mean, there was like no room, but it was cool. And as of my custom, I said, okay, we're gonna go around and I just want everybody to share, you know, something that, I don't know, they're super thankful for. And we got to my middle daughter, her name is Grace, and she's engaged to a really great guy named Connor. Connor was there, Connor's parents were there. And my daughter uh, said, you know, here's what I'm thankful for. I'm thankful for COVID. And I thought, wow, that's weird. You know, I, where's she going with this? And she said, because if COVID doesn't happen, Connor and I don't connect in the way that we have. And so, yeah, COVID-19 is really crummy and it's caused a lot of pain and sorrow and heartache and stuff, but... In the midst of it, God brought Connor and I together. Okay, as dad, you know, I'm kind of at the end of the table and I'm going, did an alien get a hold of my daughter? What? Because it was just beautiful. And I immediately in my mind, I didn't say it at the table, went, that's exactly the attitude Paul had. It would be easy to look at all the crummy things that are going on with COVID right now and just the heartache it has caused. And yet, here was my daughter who was able to look beyond it and see something God was doing. Now here's the deal. I'm not saying that you have to somehow forget about all the crummy things. Paul didn't forget about all the crummy things that were going on in his life. My daughter wasn't, you know, you know forgetting about the, all the crummy things COVID has done in her life as a student at Fresno State, because a lot of really crummy things have happened. She wasn't doing that, and Paul's not doing that. 
But what I am saying is this, is that you've basically got two choices down here on planet Earth, okay? And here's my application piece. And I've talked to you about this before, okay? You got two choices. Number one, you can gaze at your problems and glance at the Lord. As a believer, you can just gaze at all the crummy things that are going on in your life and, you know, on Saturday nights or Sundays, just take a glance at the Lord or, you know, once a, once a day, you know, read a Bible verse or, or something, but you spend the majority of your time just gazing at all your problems and all the crummy things that are going on. Or, here's your second choice. You can gaze at the Lord and glance at your problems. In other words, you say, you know what? Things are crazy right now, but I, I, I'm going to gaze right here. I'm, I'm going I'm to make this central to my, my life. I'm going to take Pastor Joel and Pastor Rick up on the reading plan. And I'm going to spend some time reading this. I'm going to watch all the videos that our pastors and directors and leaders here have put together. I'm going to spend time in the Word. I'm going to spend time praying. I'm going to make sure I'm in church or watching online. I'm going to make sure I do that. And yes, you're going to glance at your problems. You, 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 you can't get away from them, but you're not gazing at them. And so those are the two choices that you make. And which, which one are you doing right now? Where are you gazing right now? Because you, you can make the choice right now to change what you're going to focus on. And you can say, I'm not going to focus on all the crummy things. I'm, I'm going to do what Paul did, and I'm going to make the choice to look at what God's doing. And if you don't know what God's doing, believe that God is going to do something through this crazy stuff. And here's the deal. I guarantee you, it'll make a difference. You see, here's the thing. <laughs> you got people looking at you just like Paul was chained to some guard and, and he was around all these other prisoners. A lot of people were listening to him and watching him. People are watching you, people you live with, people you work with, people in your neighborhoods, pe people that you play golf with, people you do life with. They're watching you. In a weird way, you're chained to them. And you may never talk about Jesus with them, but your life and how you choose to live it is saying something to them. Think about it. God's using you no matter where you're at. And I just want to challenge you, okay? Look beyond the circumstances, all right? Number two. Paul made the choice and it is a choice to care about his own personal holiness. So he made the choice, number one, to look beyond the problems. But we also see in him make a, a choice. And it is a choice, beloved, to care about his own personal holiness. Look at verse 20. Paul says, For I fully expect and hope that I will never be ashamed but that I will continue to be bold for Christ as I have been in the past. And I trust that my life will bring honor to Christ whether I live 
or whether I die. For, for to me, Paul says, living means living for Christ and dying is even better. Now, you need to understand that when Paul wrote this, there was no such thing as the New Testament. All there was was basically the Old Testament, all the Old Testament books, Genesis, you know, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, all those books. There was no New Testament. Paul didn't know when he sent this letter to the Philippians, he didn't know that it was gonna end up in the canon of scripture. He just thought he was writing a letter to a group of believers. Obviously, God was using him in a great way, greater ways than he even knew. So there's no old, there's no New Testament. But here's the deal. Because of who Paul was in his religious training, he would have had the entire Old Testament memorized. And that's no joke. The training that Paul had, the religious training he had, I have no doubt that he had the entire Old Testament memorized. And I think... Um, the words of God in Leviticus chapter 11 were super important to Paul. It says this in Leviticus 11. For I am the Lord your God. You must consecrate yourself and be holy because I am holy. Paul would have known that verse. He would have memorized that verse. He would have known that that was the heartbeat of God for his people. He would have known that God was holy, God was sacred, and that God said to his people, I want you to be holy. He took this seriously. Paul cared deeply about his walk with the Lord. He cared deeply about his holiness, and, and so should you. If you wanna have joy in the faith, joy in your faith, let me tell you, you gotta be committed and you have to care about your own personal holiness. In fact, that's the application for you. You should make the choice. And it is a choice to care about your own personal holiness. You see, what happens too often with guys like me and guys like Joel and pastors like Lonnie or Rick Thompson or you know, whoever the other pastors are, a lot of times, we take your spiritual life more seriously than you do. And when that happens, it's not good. You need to take your spiritual life more seriously than we do. Now, I'll take care of my life. Joel will take care of his. Lonnie will take care of his. You know, Pastor Tim will take care of his. Chad will take care of his. We can care about you. We can encourage you, like in a moment like this, but you have to make the choice because it is a choice to care about your own personal holiness. Listen to what Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 1. Sounds a little familiar. He says, So you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then. Boy, there was a time in my life, there was a time in your life, Christian, when we just didn't know any better. and We just lived and did whatever we wanted. We just fulfilled the desires of our flesh or whatever. And here we have 
or Brother Peter saying, don't do that anymore. He says, but now you must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. For the scripture say, we just read it in Leviticus, you must be holy because I am holy. You see, in the Old Testament, God says, I want you to be holy because I'm holy and you're one of my kids and so I want you to be like me. And here we are now in the New, New Testament and we got Paul who cares deeply about his own personal holiness and here we've got Peter saying, look, don't forget what the Old Testament scriptures say. God is holy and he wants you to be holy. In fact, in Leviticus chapter 19, and I just had a great time looking at this. It says this. The Lord also said to Moses, okay, so God's actually talking with Moses. And he says, I want you to give the following instructions to the entire community of Israel. And in a New Testament sense, that's you, that's me, right? You must be holy because I, the Lord your God, am holy. It's one of the distinguishing marks of somebody who's a follower of Jesus. It's one of the distinguishing marks of somebody who's a follower of God. God says, look, I'm holy. And I want you as one of my children to be holy too. I want you to live your life differently than everybody else lives it. I want your life to, to be separated from how the world lives and how the world thinks. Now, in my opinion, I think Philippians chapter two, verse 15, might be the key verse in the entire book. It tells us the goal of the letter, I think. Paul says in Philippians two, live clean, Innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. Another way you could say this would just live holy because our Father in heaven is holy as children of God, shining like bright lights in a, in a world full of crooked and perverse people. God wants us to be different, He wants us to live differently. In fact, Jesus said something similar in Matthew chapter five. He said, you are the light of the world. Like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand. Where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, Christian, in the same way, let your good deeds, let your holy life, your clean life, your sacred life shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Remember, God said in the Old Testament, I'm holy and so I want my kids to be holy. He says it again in the New Testament, I, I'm holy, I want you to be holy. And here we have Jesus basically saying the same thing. Look, live a God-honoring life. Make that choice. Because when you do, it brings praise and honor and glory to our Father in heaven. 
So the first thing that we see is that Paul made a choice to look beyond his circumstances and see what God was doing them, doing in spite of them. And when you do that, wow, there's great joy in the faith. N number two, we see that he made the choice to care deeply about his own personal holiness, and that'll bring you great joy in the faith. faith. And then last but not least, and I'm just gonna do this real quick, Paul made the choice, and it is a choice, to serve others, to care about others. If you look at verse 21, he says, for, for to me, living means living for Christ and dying is even better. But if I live, I can do more fruitful work for Christ. So I really don't know which is better. I'm torn between two desires. I long to go and be with Christ, which would be far better for me, but for your sake, it's better that I continue to live. Here he is, he's torn, I wanna to go to heaven. I wanna go be with Christ. But wait a minute, if I stay here, I think it'll be better for you because I can encourage you in your faith. I can care about you, I, I can serve you better. There's no doubt that God wants us to care about our own lives, Christian. We are to care about our own lives. But if you want to experience incredible joy in the faith, you got to get your eyeballs off of you at some moment and get them onto other people. You got to care about other people. You got to serve other people. Because that's where, man, it's like, it's like gasoline on fire. Whoa, you want to talk about joy in the faith, which is obviously the application. You should make the choice. And it is a choice to care and serve other people. There was a moment when this person came and asked Jesus this question, teacher, what's the most important commandment in the law of Moses? And Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart and all your soul and all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment and there's a second that's equally important and that is you're to love your neighbor. You're to care about your neighbor. You're to wanna serve your neighbor as yourself. And the entire law and all the demands of the prophet are based on these two commandments. Paul's gonna go on and say in Philippians chapter two, don't look out for your own interests, but also take an interest in others too. In other words, look, joy in the faith comes when you're able to look beyond all the crummy things that are happening in your life. Joy in the faith comes when you're able to say, man, I need to, to, to live a holy life. You care about your own holiness. And then, man, joy in the faith comes when you think about how you can care and love and serve others. So, how do you do this? How, how, do, you, how do you pull this off? What's the key to making the right choices? Well, a little while ago, you heard from Evan. He quoted that great passage in Luke 2 where it talks about this guy named Simeon. And it says that Simeon was righteous and devout and was eagerly waiting for the Messiah. He was eagerly waiting for the Messiah. And then we learn about Anna, this prophetess, and she talked about, you know, about the child to everybody, everyone who had been waiting expectantly for God to you know, rescue Jerusalem. These two people were waiting for the Messiah to be born. They were waiting for the Savior to be born. 
And because they had their eyes on the Savior who was going to be born, they were anticipating that the Savior would be born. Wow, it made a difference in their lives. And now you get to the New Testament, and what motivated Paul? Well, obviously the Savior's already come. What motivated Paul was the exact same thing, just in the opposite direction. Paul knew who the Savior was, and he was anticipating the day he got to go and be with Jesus. He looked forward to the day that he either drew his last breath and got to be with Jesus, or the day that Jesus would come and take his church, his bride, home to be with him. And so when you look at these three people, Simeon, Anna, and Paul, they were all anticipating being with Jesus. What do you anticipate? You show me what you're anticipating, and I'll probably show you how much joy you really do have in the faith, because it makes a difference in the choices that you make. I want you to close your eyes, okay? And while your eyes are closed, I just want you to know that we are available to pray for you online. All you gotta do is just let us know. You can, you know, text it. You can write it out. You can put it on your online connect card, whatever it is. We got people right now, right now, who wanna be a blessing, who wanna serve you, who wanna care about you. Father, thank you for this moment, kicking off our new series, Joy in the Faith. God, I, I know even as I studied this week, I, I sensed in my own life, more, more joy. There was a, a greater sense of joy in my life. And I have no doubt, God, that you're gonna use this message in people's lives. You're gonna use this whole series in people's lives. People are gonna experience more joy in their faith. I know it because of the series and because of the daily reading plan. Thank you, Jesus, for your goodness, and I pray this in your name. Amen, everybody. Blessings.